I love singing that because that basically is, is the Apostles' Creed set to music. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really great to be able to say with all your heart, I believe these things to be true. And that's who we are as followers of Jesus. We believe these things to be true about him. Yeah. Let's spend a few moments in prayer as we um, reflect a little bit on the end of this year and we think about what we hope for next year. Let's just uh, spend a few moments and uh, I'll lead us in prayer. So just have about five or ten seconds of quiet here and then I'll pray. Our Father, Father of our Lord Jesus, we come to you, we pray, knowing that you hear our prayer, knowing Jesus, your Son, and knowing that through him and through being made right with you by what he did, we have complete, full access into your presence And so, Lord, we come boldly because we know that you not only hear us, that you receive us. Because when you look at us, you see only the holiness and the righteousness that Jesus has given to us. And so, Lord, we come as grateful people to say thank you for your care in our lives. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your never-ending love, your incredible mercy, and your grace because Lord we need it we need it more than anything because you are holy you are righteous you are perfect in every way we are not we try but we often fail because we still have moments in our lives when we consciously or even unconsciously choose not to do what you want or we neglect to do what we know we should. And we want to bring those things to you, Lord, and say, yes, we know those are wrong. Yes, we want to call them exactly what you call them. We want to call that sin. But we are thankful, Lord, that we have the solution for the sin Jesus on the cross, you gave your life to pay that debt. That debt is no longer charged to each of us. And so, Lord, we take a few moments briefly to bring the things that you have already brought to our mind that we confess and agree with you that they are not right. We thank you for your forgiveness for them. And with your help, Lord willing, teach us to do better. Hear our prayers now. Lord, the Apostle John wrote that if we, if as we do confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for that. Thank you. And you also said, Lord, to come with our needs. We have many wants, but we have needs. Provision. Safety. 
hope. Lord, we are thankful for what you have done this year. We are thankful you have made us to the end of of this year. At the beginning of the year, we had no idea what to expect, but you fully knew everything that was going to happen this year. And you have already gone ahead of us and you go beside us and you come up and be protect behind us as we walk in you in this year. And we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us through it. And we pray, Lord, as we come into this next year for that continued guidance. We pray that you would give us a greater sensitivity to your Holy Spirit who indwells us, who leads us, who teaches us, who corrects us, who encourages us that we could have the living hope of Jesus in us. To walk through this year is just the most incredible thing. And yet you do that for each of your children. And so, Lord, there are many things we would ask for this year. The one we do want to ask more than anything is, Lord, guide us. Lord, teach us. Lord, lead us. To lead lead lives that honor you, lives as we serve you, that others may see and know the hope to which we have been called, that others would see the reason we have faith and ask us for the hope that is within us and that we would be able to give them an answer with all our hearts. Apart from you, Lord Jesus, we would have nothing. In you, Lord Jesus, we have everything. And so as we Look toward next year, and the next time we meet, we will be in next year. We thank you that we can have confidence to go where you want us to go. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, last week, we, we ended our, uh, our uh, message with, actually, with, with a, uh, God speaking from the Old Testament through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29, and it was this simple, this three verses here. He said, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What a wonderful promise. A wonderful promise to us. And you know, it is amazing to me to think that God has plans for each of us and that in Him we have a hope and a certain future. Our future is, is sure. It's secure. It's certain. You know, and certainly for 2020, a lot of us are thinking about the future because well, the past is past and can't be changed. And the present, in some ways, is pretty harsh. And, and a lot of us can't wait to be, for it to be over. <laughs> so, goodbye 2020. In a little over four days. Well, you know, the end of one year and the start of another, is one, is, uh, it's, it's one of those times when we, 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 our, our minds think to what's ahead. Uh, we, we can't predict the future, but we'd sure like to know what to expect a little, wouldn't we? Uh, I came across some interesting quotes and predictions uh, from the past which show that, that even experts can miss 
things by a country mile. They don't really know the future the way you do. Here's one from 1939. The problem with television is that people must sit and keep their eyes glued on a screen. The average American family hasn't got time for it. <laughs> and that was actually at a demonstration of this new media called television at the New York World's Fair in June of 1939. And uh, the pictures you see there are kind of blurry because, well, that's the best shots they could get of it. And the picture on the screen is even blurrier yet. It's hard to even make out. I think there's a person on the screen in there. Not sure. Uh, but that's one. But we don't always get it right. Here's two quotes from Bill Gates. In 1983, he said, I see no advantage whatsoever to the graphical user interface. And that, that for those who understand, don't understand that, is what gives us pictures on our screens. And he also, 11 years later, he said, I, I see little commercial potential for the internet for at least 10 years. <laughs> and it exploded in front of him. I do wonder, though, if he's still as mystified about it. Because in 2019, Microsoft became a trillion-dollar company from zero in 1975. Trillion-dollar company. There was another expert in 1967 that, uh, that said that by the beginning of the 21st century, so that's 20 years ago now, the average person would work only 22 hours a week for 27 weeks a year. And that our biggest problem was going to be deciding what we were going to do with all our spare time. Hasn't quite worked out that way, has it? You know, a lot of us have packed schedules. A lot of us are very busy. It seems we're always in a hurry. We walk fast, we talk fast, we eat fast. Uh, one of the most popular items still, if you go into an Indigo store or go online, is books on time management. They're still up there in the top five bestsellers. Very few of them actually acknowledge that time itself is a gift to us from God. So as we finish one year, and, and uh, honestly, I think in a year, this, this year feels kind of like it's been a decade long, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But as we finish one year, and as we look toward the next, what's going to be different? What's going to be different? Uh, how, how can we make good use of the time that we have so that when next year is finished, we'll be able to look back and be satisfied with what, what went on. Uh, are there things that we can do that l help us so that we'll look forward to this year with an anticipation and not with a dread? Yeah, there are. There are. There's even a passage of Scripture that speaks to it. So let's pray. Lord, teach us from this verse. Very short, three verses. But this is our focus today and what grows out of it. Let us hear from you what we can do with this. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish 
but understand what the Lord's will is. And in those three simple verses, the Apostle Paul tells us, be very careful then how you live. A lot of Bible translations actually follow uh, the, the original language, the original Greek more closely, and they translate this as make the most of every opportunity. Those words, they translate this as redeeming the time. Redeeming. That's a word that means to buy back. It's a marketplace term. How can we do that? How can we make the most of the opportunities that God gives us this year, this coming year? Well, the first thing is maybe to state the obvious and, to real, and it's just simply this, to realize that our time is limited. God's eternal, but for us, he created time. Uh, there are only ever, aside from the astronomers who are going to correct me here, there are only ever 24 hours in a day. 24 hours and 15 minutes, if you want to be more precise. And so, the Lord, if in, through Paul, says, be careful, be skillful, be wise, be on guard. Look really closely at how we manage our lives. Our lives have distinct beginnings, and they are going to have endings. We don't know how long that gap is between the beginning and the finish. We don't know how long we will live. But we do know that our life on earth will cease one day. Our time is valuable. It's a limited commodity. What will we do with it? Uh, the psalmist was reflecting on this in uh, Psalm 90. He said this. He said, Our days may come to 70 years or, or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow for they quickly pass away and we fly away. Not really a day brightener, is it? <laughs> well, but he's, he's stating that. He's saying that they, they just seem to go quicker than we realize. Now, you may, a few of you may under, have, you, most of us have heard quantum physics. I would say I could probably count on one hand the people who could explain quantum physics to any of us uh, in a way that we could understand it. But quantum physics is a different way of looking at things in the world. It suggests, in quantum physics, suggests that time may actually slow down or even stop in certain circumstances. I, I don't understand that. But I do know this. There's only one person who could really do that, and that's God. Because we can't make it stop, and we can't even make it slow down. But we can manage it. But we always, as we said, we always only have 24 hours in a day. Who decides who spends your time? Who decides how you spend it? And, and the answer is you do. It may not seem like it. You may think that your time is controlled by other things or other people. But the fact is that each of us controls our own time. No one can take it from you without your implicit or explicit consent. No one is given any more time than anybody else. 
we, we have all the time that there is to have. Now, that being said, we don't always have all the time to do everything we want to do. But, but that's the part of the point of, of this, is to order things and, and look at the high priority items so we can do what really is important. But because time is limited, we really need to be careful um, in how we use it. And there are two major, what I call, time stealers that we have to watch out for. Excuse me. The first is, is urgent but unimportant activities. Things that, that cry out for our attention right away but that might not really be that important. Question for you. When, when you're busy and, and your phone rings, can you resist answering it? <laughs> oh, it's hard, isn't it? But it's something that we need to do. Because if it's urgent and it's really important, we have this other little device on our phone called voicemail and if someone really needs to get a hold of us they could leave a message and then we could could see to it right away but if there isn't and if the caller doesn't leave a message i do i need to feel compelled to call them back anyway to say why did you call me well not really another time robber <laughs> big one social media hmm yeah. I try not to spend a lot of time on social media. I, I, don't try to spend, I don't spend time on it when I'm working. But I don't even use some media feeds anymore because I found that, that they were taking up a lot of my, my available brain space and a lot of my time. And, and what I was getting from them wasn't really urgent or important. I, I would... Some of these apps that give you real time would, and people would post and say things like, I'm at Costco. Good for you. And then 10 minutes later, I'm at Staples. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't really, it doesn't enrich my life to know that you're doing your shopping as much as it's maybe important things. But to discipline myself, to not just reach for it every time I see it, makes, makes a big difference in my time. So, and that doesn't matter whether it's social media or newsletters or chat. Uh, a lot of those things can be very useful. Uh, but a lot of them I've put into, uh, on my, my Gmail tab, a tab called promotions. Because they're things that the, the urgent go into the inbox or the important go into the inbox. But the, the less important, go to that other, other tab. And I check it now and then. Because it really fills up quickly. That's one that can get 20 or 30 things and all they're doing is trying to get me maybe to order something and buy, buy something that I might need, I might not. The other big time stealer in our culture, we've already kind of alluded to it, screens. Screens of all types. Uh, by the way, they can be dangerous too. I haven't, I, I think I'm going to sit in a lawn chair at a, at a busy intersection in town and count the number of people I see 
walking through the crosswalk like this, paying complete attention to the screens and no attention at all to the car that is about to turn into them. I wouldn't be surprised, an educated guess, that probably 50% of the people I've seen in crosswalks pay more attention to the phone in the hand than their traffic. But that's, yeah, that's, they can be dangerous, but they, they can be time seeders. Uh, Canadians spend more time, and this is probably worldwide, more time on the internet than they do on television, watching television. And to put that into perspective, even in 2019, the average Canadian spends 231 minutes a day watching television. That's almost four hours. And we spend more time than that on the internet. There was a survey taking, taken a few years ago that said 8 to 18-year-olds spend over seven hours a day watching media, not necessarily network TV, but watching media, over seven hours a day, but only about 38 minutes a day having meaningful conversation with their parents and their family. Yeah. What are your time stealers? Each of us, it's different. What are yours? point is this, that we do need to choose how to use our time wisely. And that's what Paul wrote in Ephesians 5. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time. And we really need God's wisdom here. Now notice Paul doesn't say, yeah, you should think about this. He says, be very careful how you live, not as unwise but as wise. How do you do that? What is wise? Well, Psalm 111 and many others say things like this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and all who follow his precepts have good understanding. Yeah. So make the most of the opportunities we have. Redeem or buy back that, that time. And that, that marketplace picture is a good one here because it's like we're already devoting things to those things. Maybe, maybe this is a good time to take back some of that time and put it to somewhere that, makes it, that, that has more purpose. Could be used a little more wisely. But in order to do that, really does require wisdom from God. Uh, Proverbs 2.6 says, the, For the, the Lord gives wisdom to us. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. If you uh, use, your, use Google to... Uh, punch the word wisdom in or if you use an app like hmm, Bible Gateway Bible Gateway is a great app it has about 25 or 30 different translations of the Bible and in pretty much every language you can imagine too you can punch in a sentence or a word and it'll give you how many times it shows up in the Bible look up wisdom there's about 400 that it'll quote you good the great thing about it is that it's available even, even for the everyday choices we make. Now, I'm not saying you have to stand at the, uh, or, or drive or sit in your car and look at the menu on your Starbucks and say, Lord, should I have a curler today? Or, sh or, or Lord, should I have a latte? Or should I have a, uh, you know, 
No, I'm not saying you have to do that, but we do need God's wisdom for cho- choices. Yeah. Uh, Proverbs 1, again, 1.7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but on the other hand, it says, there's consequences if you don't go to the Lord for that. He says, fools, fools despise God's wisdom and instruction. So if we don't use God's wisdom in our choices, we won't benefit from it the way we could. It, we, and we are free to make choices. But we do have to live with our con- the consequences of our choices, don't we? So wouldn't it be better to make God's wise choices for us? So my prayer more and more is becoming uh, like the one that Moses prayed in, in Psalm 90, which we've already said, we, we read verse 10. But two verses later, it says this, Teach us to number our days aright. Or teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. I am very, not that different to anyone else. We constantly seem to add things to our lives. And, and we have, it seems we have way more options now. More choices of what to do with our time today than we ever did before. But I think if we're honest, I think we're all a little bit greedy at heart. We always want more. More time. More of everything. We want to do it all. We want to have it all. We, we add things until we are so overloaded that we start to fatigue. And, and sometimes we take things on for the best of reasons. But we end up burning ourselves out. God didn't call us to burn out. God didn't call us to become martyrs either in that sense. The only martyrs that the Bible mentions are people who gave up their lives for the gospel. We add things until we're overloaded and if we aren't careful, the important things simply get squeezed out of our schedules. The Lord, teach me to number my days aright. Teach me to use my days, my hours, my minutes to gain that heart of wisdom, your wisdom. So we can't add to our time, but we can learn how to use it the way God wants. So the best thing we can really do it, I think, to, to, with our limited time is to order our lives around uh, God's will and what God says he'd like us to do, not, not just what we want to do. Verse 17 here, he says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's the purpose. That's, that gives us the, the reason. How do we determine that? Well, one of my favorite passages, and you probably can quote it pretty well now because I, I probably use it once a month anyway, is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Yeah. To present our bodies to him as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, because that's our spiritual worship or our reasonable service could also be translated. And then he says, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds in this new relationship, this living relationship with the living God. And then he says, that's how we will be able to test and approve God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It needs the renewed minds. To order our lives according to God's will, we have to have the renewed minds and be renewing our minds. The people who are... um, 
People who are respecters of God. We, most of us know people who are, I would call respecters of God. They, they do have a, a belief that their, God is there and they would understand that maybe they should have some, that they should listen. But they can know what the Bible says about God without actually knowing God. The respecter of God can know Bible facts, but in order to be directed by God requires the new birth and the Holy Spirit living in us. Then we can know God's will. Now, I want this as a disclaimer here. Ordering your life according to God's will, probably some thoughts jumped into your mind right about there, and maybe some of them were a little bit funny. <laughs> like, it doesn't mean you sit around all day in prayer, and when you aren't praying, you sit around singing praise songs, and when you aren't singing, you're studying God's Word. 24-7, right? No. No. Those are all good. Not, those are all good. Those are all necessary things. Good things. And if we aren't investing time in worship and in prayer and, and reading and studying God's word, that, that's a concern you should address. Because very few of us are called to that monastic style of life. Very few of us are called to live like monks or nuns and spend all day, 24 hours, doing those things. God left most of us in, in, our, in this world. But he said, be in the world. But he, didn't, he said, don't be of the world. So let your life reflect his standards, his, under, his holiness, his will. And God calls most of us to bring his light into the world and to the world. But he doesn't call most of us to withdraw from the world. I don't think he ever called us to sit around in little, little enclaves with little walls up to protect us from the big bad world. I think this is still our Father's world. But he called us to go into it and make a difference in it. To not do that, to not understand and do the will of God is not wise. But to understand it and then not do it at all isn't very wise either. It's pretty foolish. <laughs> but I'm so grateful that God is so gracious to me, <laughs> to us. Doesn't give us what we deserve, but gives us second, third, fourth, tenth chances, hundreds of chances to correct our course. We always have a choice, but the smart, the wise choice is to line up our lives with what we know to be true from His Word and His will. How do we discern it? How do we determine God's perfect will? This, this sounds like a, I guess the, the philosophical term is a tautology. It means that it's like you're stating the obvious. How do you learn to walk with God? By walking with God. Walk with Him. Walk in but then the question becomes, what things do we give priority to in our lives? 
What good things, even, do we give priority to? Education, career, school, church, our character development, family. Can't argue with family, can you? Fitness, God. So the question then is, where is God on your list? Time is limited. So we need to plan wisely. Wisely. And that's going to take some thought. And it also might stretch us a bit too. We realize that we're devoting more time to things that perhaps are of less value than what God says. So here are the priorities. And, and, and I want to. this is a list of four things. I want to present this and say, this is the way we usually present these priorities from the Bible. So if you've heard this before, if it sounds familiar, it's quite common. Okay, so the priorities as we usually present them is, number one, first thing, first priority is God. God is always first. Jesus is always first. And that is exactly what the Lord said in the Ten Commandments. The very first commandments, he said, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods ahead of me. No other gods before me. Anything that gets ahead of God is actually is an idol. So that's the first. Second, second highest priority, family. Yeah, our responsibility as parents is to raise our children to know and to love Jesus and to live for him. The best role model you can be for your child is to be a godly parent and model those values. A parent that honors Jesus with their life, their conduct. Because no matter what we tell our children, what they watch and see, they get. Because what they watch and see is where our real priorities are. Third, after that, comes God's family, church. It's got a high value because God brought us into a community not just to learn knowledge, not to learn facts. He brought us into his family. And, and his expectation is that we will, we will serve him together in a family setting. That's why it's been so hard for us this year to be in our own little homes and watching this by things like live streams. We miss each other. I'm really looking forward to next year when this is all done and we can be back together again. That is going to be so much fun. But God calls us to do these things in community because that's where we, we need each other so that, to support each other, to encourage each other, to, to be friends for each other, to, to lift each other up when we're grieving or we're in distress. And he calls us to seek his will individually, but also as a body, as what kind of things should, does he want us to do? What are we, why are we praying and seeking God's will for Abbotsford Baptist Church in 2020 or 2021? Why? What is it? And, and although on this list, family is higher priority than church, We've got to be careful here because family activities could 
take us away from church family and if that's on a too regular basis, then we won't gain the benefit of being part of the greater community. It's not a, an either or here. Model that high priority of the, the, the communion of the saints, I think is the term that most of the creeds use for gathering together. But model that priority for your own kids. And show them how to serve by serving and participating. Then the last thing on the list, number four, is everything else. Everything else is, is lower on the list. So, sorry, sports teams, Seahawks fans, I know they're having a great year, but if it's a choice at a church or, the, or it's game day, yeah, maybe not. Sorry, personal leisure activities. Sorry, hobbies. Anyway, this is the list the way we usually see it. And it's good. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the list. But listing them in an order like this isn't the best way to understand what Scripture actually says. Because listing them segregates the priorities of life into different categories. Colossians 1, another one of Paul's letters, in the beginning of it, Paul says, Jesus is before and over everything. He says, all things were created through him and for him. In him, all things hold together. The work of the cross was to reconcile all things to Jesus. So, a better model for biblical priority is this. To have Jesus at the center of everything. This year, instead of worrying about putting, putting Jesus first, what if we make him the center of every area of our lives? Not just the top priority ahead of every other area, but the top priority in everything. So it, it isn't Jesus and then family, but Jesus in my family. It isn't Jesus and then relationships with others, but Jesus in my relationships. It isn't Jesus and then career, but Jesus in my career. We can't control the length of our lives except maybe to shorten them through bad habits or dangerous living <laughs> or neglecting our health. But we do have something to say about, maybe not the length, but about how wide it is and how deep it is. I think having Jesus at the center will give us the fullness of life that, that we really actually deep down crave. And it'll give us a fullness of life unlike any other way of living. John Maxwell is a... Um, a Christian writer. In one of his books, he quoted a Middle Eastern follower of Jesus reflecting on life. And he said this. Just, I'm going to grab a drink here. Excuse me a sec. He said this. I was a revolutionary when I was young. And, and all my prayer to God was, Lord, give me the energy to change the world. As I approached middle age and realized that my life was half gone without changing a single soul, I changed my prayer to, Lord, give me the grace to change all those who come into contact with me, my family and friends, and I'll be satisfied. Now that I'm an old man and my days are numbered, 
I have begun to see how foolish I have been. My one prayer now is, Lord, give me the grace to change myself. If I had prayed for this right from the start, I would not have wasted my life. That's a little bit bittersweet, I think, to look back and say what you should perhaps have done earlier. But that's the wisdom that can only come with time on earth. Lord, change me. By your grace, change me. Our time is limited, but with God's wisdom, we can use it in a good way. Order it around God's will, keeping Jesus at the center. And if we do that, we will do more as Paul, again, Paul wrote to another one of his churches. He said, we will be able to do exceedingly more than we could ask or even imagine. in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our relationships, in our church. It's about time. Let's pray. Lord God, I am, uh, man, when I, when, I, when I talk about this, I, I realize this is one area in my life that I fall very short. I fall prey to the time wasters in my own life. And Lord, I know that some of them I justify by saying I need that downtime. And perhaps I do. But, but Lord, if I'm honest, I know that there are times when I could put things to better use and be more efficient. Not for the sake of efficiency alone, because many of us can make that into an idol, but so that we would see our opportunities that you have presented, and that so that we would be wise in the way we live and careful and redeem and buy back that time in a way that is honoring and pleasing to you. And so, Lord, as we finish this year and say thanks for getting us through it, and we look toward next year, we pray that, Lord, Lead us, Lord, guide our steps. Teach us, Lord, to number our days aright, to think about them, that we may gain your heart of wisdom. In your name we pray and ask, Jesus. Amen.